Hey guys, um, if you're fans of WT Fada, please consider heading on over to ron-iii-art.redbubble.com to get your hands on some official WT Fada merchandise via the WT Fada collection. It's a lot of good stuff over there, a lot of designs that I'm pretty proud of, and you know I have a couple of shirts uh, from it, and you know I enjoy them. You know, they make me happy. They make me think of this little space, this little nook that we've carved out for ourselves out there on the interwebs. So, if WT Fada makes you feel warm and cozy, first, go talk to some type of doctor, like a therapist or psychologist kind of thing. And then second, get yourself a shirt or a mug or some socks or a backpack or a dress, whatever you want. Hey guys, if you want to jump ahead, you can to about 39 and a half minutes in, and you should be able to skip the off topic. Thanks. Good evening, ladies and germs. Welcome back to the very 117th episode of WT Fada. I'm joined I... by people <laughs> that I'm usually joined with. That's right. I think you know who they are by now. It's Oprah Winfrey, Oprah and Winfrey. Dave Attell. <laughs> David Hasselhoff. <laughs> <laughs> you guys get to fight amongst yourselves who gets to be who but uh, uh yeah ron is obviously oprah i mean clearly <laughs> obviously it's, it's the cult following you know it really is <laughs> i'm always giving people cars <clears throat> the stolen you cars car. you get a car <laughs> reach under your seat there's a fucking car under your seat yeah um Except you know what I like about Thought version, so it's like you get depression, you get anxiety, you're <laughs> more depression. And you, you, you do get a car. It's a toy, but you get a car. No. A toy car. Um, get to the bank. Yeah, Alves, I got to tell you, your introductions I like the most because it's always <laughs> a question. It's always a WT Fada. Uh-huh. Well, I forget where I am every week, so yeah. <laughs> it's genuine. It's all right. Well, I think I did the intro every week for what's the story. So, like, I still in the back of my brain, like, motor memory. I just think I'm gonna be like, "Welcome to the very 117th episode of What's the Story," and they're like, "Wait, no, that's not where we are right now." Yeah. Yeah, what's the story is it's been very strange lately. We keep getting followers uh, on Instagram on the what's the story page. And I keep trying really? to gently direct people <laughs> over to WT Fada. Uh, 
Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, that's kind of strange. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just here for Kayla. That's what it is. We're trying to, I I try to, you know, I'm trying to like parlay that audience over to the show, this show, you know? Like, if you want more Kayla, go to WT Fada. Just got to get through about 100 episodes of these, this Ron and John and Ryan guys. Yep. Uncharismatic fucks, you know? It's not, it's not great. Um, so what have you guys? Like been I said, you get depression. You get depression. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. We're on brands. Uh, <laughs> what have you guys been up to? What have you been doing? Brian, you want to go first? He would, but <laughs> he's, he's he frozen. frozen. <laughs> there he is. Let it hey, go, let it go. There he Bro. is. Yeah, you go. You go first. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Who are you talking to? Kayla? Uh, Kayla goes Kayla, first. Kayla, you go ladies first. first. All, right, all right. Ladies first. Ladies first. Um, well, there where to begin? Where where? Where to begin? Um well, it was a Tuesday at six eighteen PM, January 9th, nineteen ninety one. Uh I was born. All right. <laughs> That's the beginning. That's awesome. It's a great. It's a, it's a great start. No, um, so so well, I'm only gonna be uh, joining for the off-topic today. I left my laptop at work, and I find it very difficult to do anything productive or even remotely focused with the phone and this tiny little screen. Yeah, <laughs> I feel a little lost without my laptop, actually. So the, that I think that says something about me needing to, <laughs> to fucking like unplug for a few days uh i just found out that all of that vacation time that i've been saving up for my honeymoon doesn't carry over into the next calendar year uh, and we typically have to try if we're going to take a vacation day we're supposed to take it off at least one month in advance oh so i have about 40 hours of vacation time saved up and it's already almost the end of november what (laughs) what wait a minute so it's not gonna roll over into the next year nope okay um i have to use it or lose it which means i I basically i have to request some time off if i want to use it i have to take it in december right but the the general rule of thumb for my work you're really not supposed to request time off unless it's like with it, you have to do it a month early or earlier. Like right. they want like a month's notice. Right. For so vacation time. So it would be the last week of December if you were to follow the rules, which I'm sure they would rules. love. My boss is already taking the week before. My boss is taking the week leading up to Christmas, like the week of Christmas, before Christmas. I should say because on Saturday, the week before Christmas off. And my other coworker, the other supervisor is taking the week after off. So I really shouldn't take either of those two weeks because there has to be some sort of supervisor in the office. Pish posh. Yeah. I mean So I'm like 40 hours off, I think. Why am I just hearing about that? The only reason I even found out is because uh, our tech or one of our other staff members was like we were just chit-chatting back and forth in the office and she was like, oh, I got a I'm going to request this day or whatever just so you know, I can't do such and such i gotta uh, use my time it's use it or lose it so i was like it's what 
It's like, what the fuck? Why am I just hearing about this? Can you cash it out? No. Fuck. Bullshit. It's a true use it or lose it system. Yeah, it's well, fucking, I mean, it's, it's bullshit. It is, well, I'm more bullshit than I'm just finding out about it now. Yeah. If it makes you feel any better, like you could, uh, you know, I could, you could edit the po- the podcast. We'll do like a bunch of podcasts, and then you can just use your vacation time to do that. <laughs> no, well, that doesn't gotta, make you feel better. <laughs> no, not really. That's All right. Um, no, no, and I mean, I would be fine. Like, it's not even like, oh, I didn't get to plan to do anything, or like, I'd be fine with the staycation. Honestly, just like a week off at home would be kind of glorious honestly you finished that novel uh, you've been working on yeah but <laughs> I, just don't, I just don't know when i can actually take it like you know like what would be actually the best time i mean whether it's too late to be allowed <laughs> like gonna be frowned upon like you know i just i don't just, know just go at it with honesty be like look i didn't know that this was like a situation that i had to tell you a month in advance and that the stuff wasn't going to roll over so like i'm not really following yeah. the rules because i didn't know the rules existed <laughs> yeah story of my life dude you, yeah, so like i was too it. focused on following the important rules to think about the rules that applied to my personal life and well-being <laughs> see it's yeah. like you're making the sacrifice plays <laughs> that's good it's like you're jesus yeah you're like exactly like jesus <laughs> Uh, I mean, you yeah. know, not the first time I've heard that. <laughs> she walks on water. You know, she drinks a ton of wine. Is that what? Is that what Jesus did? But yeah, so it's just like just shit like that. You know, has been kind of my reality the last couple of days. Like little things like that or whatever. Yeah. Um, but we got some, some big movements in the works. <laughs> so I am going to plug it real quick. I'm going to be the featured poet at an event in the first week of January, January 5th. What is this face that you're making? It's excitement. <laughs> Nobody knows what you're talking about, okay? There's a, they're listening to this show, okay? They don't know that I'm making faces, so just say your bit. Come on. Featured poet. So hard to cause. <laughs> I'm looking at this Don't tiny... be distracted. I'm looking at this screen that's like maybe like I don't know a 36th of the regular screen and like these tiny little images and then Ron's just doing weird fucking shit no, no, I'm not. in the corner of my screen and I can't even focus she's okay. literally trying to she's gaslighting me that's what this is um, alright January January 5th from 6th to 8.30 or 6.30 to 8.30. I can't remember. I'll let y'all know. Uh, I should probably figure that out. Uh, I'm going to be the featured poet at an event uh, called Poetry at Hale. It's Hale University. They do this like poetry event once a month. So I'm going to be the featured poet. So y'all should come and check it out. Tickets are free. Cool. Get your spots now. And 
since I'm going to be doing that event, uh, Ron and I started discussing that we're probably going to release my poetry chapbook that week. Yo. Yes. Nice. Yep. I'm going to get that done. We're going to get it all You're sorted out. That done, Ron? You got to get that done. Yep. You got to get it done. Yep. January. So. Oh yeah. So the specific yeah. so the specific release date has yet to be determined, but it will be prior to January fifth. January first. Awesome. It's coming out on January first. I like that idea, man. I was actually thinking uh, the same thing. Yep. January first. That's like the perfect day to put anything out. Yeah. Um, um the Harry Potter reunion happens at midnight, and you know I'll be up watching that. So <sighs> Cool. Um, no. Don't, don't you, don't you shit on Harry Potter over there, or we're, we are all done. Cool. Off topic. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I. Uh, yeah. That'll be really good. That'll be fun. Um. Yeah. I'm excited just and, to like uh, get it sorted out and you know figure out the layout and everything. Just let it take its final form because. Yeah. We kind of, uh, I don't know, I, I got the sense that we both sort of are like, mm, well, what do now? You know, like we've. Much... <laughs> yeah. What next step is. Yeah, we're what basically there and we're just not uh, jumping. So, yeah. And I just keep it just I just keep formatting and reformatting and, yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, no major. I just need to, to be to close, close it, you know, close yeah. it, done with it get it out there into the world I, I think i was kind of holding out i talked to you about this already i was kind of holding out to to put the feelers out to put it other places kind of look for um some publishing through like contests through mm-hmm. um poetry publishers and i haven't really gotten any bites and you know i think i'm kind of like no i think uh i think this is gonna take the self-publishing route that's where this was meant to happen so you're better off. Best place to start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The best place to start. Because <laughs> then you can approach every subsequent publisher with a book that you can like tie to a brick and throw through their window. <laughs> if that's your thing, you know. Look, I'm sorry I hit your baby in the head with a brick. The point is, isn't this book great? <laughs> you know? Like... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, at first, like at first, rejection was really cool because it meant like, oh, I'm doing it right. Like I'm doing the thing. I like finished something enough to like submit to places. They actually looked at it in order to reject it. You know, like that mm. felt like a thing. Yeah. And then after a couple months of that, I was kind of like, all right, this is getting old. Yeah, all <laughs> yeah, dressed up with nowhere yeah, to go. Kind of worn off. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah and then i just have to keep reminding you know keep reminding myself like one like you know it definitely takes more than just a couple of months of you know submitting to get published like people it takes years for some people and that like you know harry potter for instance got rejected 12 times yeah you know and it was actually found in a room wasn't it found in a room with like manuscripts that they didn't want and like an intern stumbled Mm -hmm. upon it and was like hey some people will think that this is good Mm-hmm. yeah so i just have, you have to keep reminding myself of that and then like i see some work that's out there and uh i'm like okay 
if that can get published, I I feel confident publishing my shit and, and being okay with that. Yeah. No, it's true. There's a lot of stuff out there that's not worthy. <coughs> We've been covering a lot of <laughs> movies lately that yeah. fall into that category. Yeah. Being like, how the fuck did this get made? I have, I have no business <laughs> having the money dumped into them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I got that. And then tomorrow night, uh, I'm doing a slam. Ooh. Um, so slam is, dunk is, contest? Choke slam. What? Wow. What? Slam dunk contest? I said a choke slam no, contest. Yeah, I'm not that cool. Uh, is this episode coming out at the regular time? Uh, tomorrow morning. Okay. So yeah. tonight, ladies and gentlemen, uh, y'all should check it out. I am going to be visiting um, the More Than Words bookstore. They are hosting a poetry night. They're doing a slam which is so for slam poetry. There's going to be a lot of awesome poets that I know that are amazing that are going to be there. Um, uh, my fellow Lizard from the Cambridge Commons Lizard Lounge uh, on the Lizard Lounge Poetry Slam team for decades at this point. Uh, real legend, warrior Michael Bonds is hosting it. And uh, so I definitely encourage people to come out. There's going to be a lot of uh, really talented people there. And uh, plus me, so. <laughs> wow self-deprecating <clears throat> there's going to be a lot of talented people and me <laughs> so where is this reputation to uphold you know? where where is this again Kayla give, me, um, give it to us one more time called the, it's called the more than words bookstore and it is on Berkeley street in Boston all right cool that's awesome. So that that is uh 6:30. Yeah. Be there or be somewhere else. <laughs> Those are your only options. <laughs> um, I just want to say the last time you did like a poetry event outside uh the Wizard Lounge was an absolute blast. It was really fun. Um so yeah, that'll be I'm Trying to remember what that was. It was raining. You guys were in a truck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was the save the save the. Oh, that was a disaster. <laughs> no, it was good. It was really fun. It was, it was. It was. It was fun. It definitely wasn't as fun as we're used to having there because you know we're used to to being in the venue inside when it's not pouring, raining outside, and freezing. I enjoyed uh, the number of people who are walking by. <laughs> that had no idea that they were going to get blasted with poetry. Um, that was pretty fun. Whether they wanted to or not. <clears throat> yeah, they were just like, why is there's loud people talking? Is this a rally? Is it a riot? What's happening? Yeah. It's gotta be like a word unsuspecting for victims. <laughs> I think it's assault. Yeah. Pretty sure it's assault. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Ryan, yeah, you have... These two events are legit. Yeah. So no, I mean... All the poetry stuff, uh, like I haven't been to many of them, but that 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 definitely left an impression. Even though even though there were things working against you guys, um, mm -hmm. it was a good yeah, time. So tomorrow night, so tomorrow night will be the first night that I am back on the mic with my own work since the pandemic started, nice. or since before the pandemic started, I should say. I did do an event a couple weeks ago called the Dead Poet Slam. 
um, where I went to a slam and I had to pick a dead poet's work to do, like Halloween themed. Mm-hmm. So we all picked dead poets to perform as, and then we competed as those poets, which I won <laughs> uh, as Sylvia Platt. Ooh, good choice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I was like, it was all in the choice. Like, I couldn't even take credit for winning. <clears throat> like, it was because, you know, my other poets, too, like, they're not necessarily performers. They didn't yeah. really have, like, the whole acting thing going for them. So, uh, yeah. So, but I'm excited because this tomorrow or tonight, I should say, <laughs> as this is being yeah. uh, aired, uh, it's going to be the first time I'm going to be on the mic with with my own my own stuff. So, uh, in quite, quite some time. So, nice. I'm excited. Cool. Mr. Alves. What have you been up to? Um, well, I'm doing some posters or some like flyers for a buddy's um, kind of like food and music mashup event. And I have like four more flyers after this one kind of lined up for this dude. And uh, you know, I'm like starting up like three different trial jobs to uh you know try and get some like normalcy in my life but between commissions and stuff i think yeah i'm on track if i can get into like a handful of markets to feasibly position myself like at part-time at a restaurant if i can like make these commissions a regular gig but um you know, not much besides just like trying to figure out how to print all these books and reacclimate to living in Providence again and mm-hmm. uh, still like unpacking, just living around all my goddamn boxes. <clears throat> Most of it's out, but yeah, still just like piles of shit I gotta put somewhere. Uh, but you know, same, same, staying busy. How about oh. you? I'm happy. I'm happy that you're marginally closer to to us. Like, yeah, by by some miles, you're you're I slightly mean, closer to us. I like if you ever come to Providence, you're walking distance from uh, uh, from like my house. So, like, if you were to come to Providence, uh, you know, it's a ten minute walk down the street to my house and uh i feel like whenever i always hear like whenever girl the girls want to get together you know (laughs) ladies they're always like oh we should go to providence like i feel like i that's like the spot people are always trying to be like oh we should plan like a weekend or brunch or something to go it's awesome it's so you'll be waiting there with mimosas for us exactly Wow. <laughs> like guys, this spot's cool, room. but like I know a cooler spot. Down right. the street. Yeah. All the artists the hang out there. Resident Day Elves. Yep. Yeah, the mayor. The mayor of Providence. <laughs> Mr. Ryan Elves. Um Yeah, no, that's cool. I'm I'm glad that you're back there. I know that it's something that you've been talking about for a while. So yeah, I'm happy to uh, happy to be here. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, I just wanted to say that I was really happy this week. I've been in like a creative slump. 
I've been sort of like, ah, and just not really feeling it, but super well, happy be fucking movies. <clears throat> yeah. That's what it is. It's like rotting my brain. watching bad movies. Yeah. I'm just like <laughs> sitting, I'm I like, how the anything. fuck are they, you know, why are they getting, you know, attention? What the fuck is this? Where's my, we're just like, nothing will ever be good again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's been dark times, but, uh, I was really excited this week. We got another little review for uh, the punishment oh, out yeah. there, and that was really cool. Let's hear so, it. Let's, what was it good? Uh, it was they shat all over it, and I'm very, very upset about the entire thing. Um, well, you get depression, fun. and you get depression. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's find it. Um, uh, so this is from cool, cool underscore stuff man on uh, cool <laughs> on stuff, Instagram, man. and uh, <clears throat> is what he said. He said Ryan Alves and Ron Beek have created a thought experiment in the form of a comic: the punishment, social justice. What would a Punisher-inspired vigilante do if he saw his symbol appropriated by criminals? This comic feels dangerous because it combines real-life events. Uh, page one is a gritty collage of Punisher skulls altered to symbolize right-wing views, um, which is, yeah, like, that's all stuff that's just out there in the ether that is real. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the rest of this one-shot comic maintains that unhinged feeling. In the story, the vigilante goes to white supremacist bar called the White Wolf. The inside is decorated with Confederate flags, rump 2021 posters and second amendment slogans but most of all <laughs> there is the iconic skull on everything through an internal narrative the vigilante expresses how his symbol has been stolen and now stands for something terrible he's painted over the old symbol yeah. of abandonment some of those people in quotes some of those people some of many who had taken that symbol without knowing what it really meant descended on a small house in the dead of night well, just last week at the bar, one of the men, a ratty guy with a mullet, recognizes him. He looks over at a far table with wide eyes, amazed that the guy is in their bar. He walks over to the vigilante and points to the skull on his shirt and stutters, Hey, excuse me, are you, are you him? <clears throat> this is a Punisher-inspired comic. It gets violent to an extreme. Each kill is highlighted by the skull and a brutal sense of dark humor. The artwork is gnarled and pissed off. Faces seem to mutate with bulging eyes. Um, this is a quote from Alves. Did you talk to this guy or did he find this? Yeah, no, he, he reached out. I thought he reached out to you, but he was like, do you think uh, comic fans or comic creators have to like defend comic book characters? And like, hmm. you know, like, or should defend comic book characters or whatever? And I was like, no. Only when but their then, companies like, don't fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. that's that's like, that'd be my argument. Yeah, effectively, <laughs> I was just like trying to, I don't know, not be so dismissive or like not dismissive, but just like not give him like a short answer. And like the more yeah. I thought about it, the more I was like, that. Ah, yeah. So this is what Alves has to say. He managed to walk the line between a deeply tortured dude and stone cold machine with twangs of bleak humor beautifully. While I don't necessarily think that fans need to speak out for characters, there is merit to an exchange taking place in real time that allows these characters a current context without pandering or cheap gimmicks. 
Um, if these characters evolved in meaningful ways that were relevant to the world around them, I think the divides and understanding would narrow and open the door to deeper explorations of character. Um, the punishment is out. <clears throat> so yeah, I was pretty excited. Yeah, I mean, between this and uh, Ryan over at Four Color Apocalypse, like two yeah. really great shining reviews, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we've had several just satisfied customers being like, this is fucking awesome and like shouting us out on Instagram. So I, I um, genuinely forgot I was muted and kept being like, why the fuck are you talking over me? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I forgot I was muted. <laughs> well, I, I mean, annoyed. <laughs> there we go. And now she's muted again. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm always i was real good at that <clears throat> yeah it's an ongoing joke that never gets old never it's always funny never no i was gonna say that that that's a pretty pretty awesome review and i was wondering if this would be a good time for us to plug uh your new instagram account was also called cool underscore stuff man ron right yeah no. <laughs> nice. I see what you're doing and I like it. But no, I am not cool underscore stuffman. Um Yeah, no. It's uh, uh that's cool though. Uh that's that's really cool. I love like not only that someone read your stuff, but that they connected with it enough to want to talk about it and then on mm -hmm. top of that to reach out to you and then on top of that to like write such a like well thought out mm -hmm. and comprehensive reviews. That's pretty dope. Yeah. No, it's it's been really rewarding to the one that the one that really touched me the most, I, I think was uh RB Lowell on Instagram. And what he said was basically like, um, he said he was just happy to have a comic that ripped the Punisher away from like right wing douchebags, more or less, like basically took it back for people that like enjoy that character because <clears throat> there's just been like an increasing sense of shame associated with like enjoying frank um because of how misappropriated he is as a character and it's been bothering me for a while so that was my entire motivation for wanting to tell that story is like i don't want <clears throat> the punisher skull to be like you know to be emblazoned on a flak jacket next to a swastika you know what i mean like i don't i don't really i don't dig it um yeah. so it feels it feels nice and it feels like uh the type of shit that alves and i kind of are con consistently talking about which is like <clears throat> you know there's like a like a general audience kind of understanding of these characters and then there's like the slightly more twisted version where it's like you just got to carry the ideas a little bit further down the road and then you're like oh i got it like now i see it and uh you know putting the punisher in our world 
you know, with the context of those people taking that symbol and seeing his reaction to it and highlighting the fact that like he also wouldn't be comfortable with it, you know. Um <clears throat> it is kind of a in defense of the Punisher kind of thing, you know, especially because Marvel just doesn't seem to care. Yeah. You know? It's funny because like they would any other symbol, like if somebody was somebody was trying to like make a buck off of like Iron Man Somebody was putting Iron Man on a bunch of stuff. They'd be like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! You can't do that. That's our thing." For some reason, yeah, or like Captain America, like they yeah, lose their shit. <laughs> For some reason, the Punisher gets a pass, and he's getting a pass being used by people who are rotten. And I don't get it. Like, exercise your fucking like that's your skull. It's obviously your skull. It's not a random skull. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. It would force them to take a stand and say how they felt on the side of a current political argument, you know? Yeah, and they're like, hey, you know, the skinhead should be able to enjoy the MCU too, you know? <laughs> They're like, there's That's something for the whole family. That's exactly <laughs> what they're saying. I just let it you fucking listen. You know, your kids love these movies. The grandparents love these movies. Your uncle QAnon loves these movies. You know, <clears throat> I don't know. It's a, uh, it's a weird time. It's very strange. But I'm not comfortable with like the co-opting. I. I the Punisher skull on police cruisers is one that like is something that I just can't. I'm like, you guys, stop. Just stop. I would imagine, or at least I would hope, that at least there's there that there might be a good portion of people who don't understand what they're doing with that. You know what I mean? Like they don't get it. I think right? the I think that the 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 troubling thing is I think they know exactly what they're doing. I okay. think there's a, a good portion. Like, they're probably the majority, yeah, but there was um, at least a few that are just like, yeah, yeah, cool, yeah, fuck. Yeah, there's this... Good, good people, that's cool. Yeah. There was Guns? this... There is this... Uh... Well, like, I just think I just think of people like, like, um, that don't have a wider frame of what it means right so like you mm -hmm. know the let's say like joe schmo whose uncle is a cop mm -hmm. who you know loves their uncle is, is a great guy in and out might be one of the few good cops like whatever and then feels that swell of like protectiveness of being like yeah you know blue lives matter and blah 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 and then it just like gets thick more and more into that like mindset without them ever understanding the nuance and complexity and like the overall picture of like why it's so wrong yeah well i mean i think it's like, like lacking the education the knowledge the iq the fucking general picture like just you know it's I funny just gotta hope you know i just gotta hope yeah it's funny because if it was any other Please. character if it was any other character that you were mixing in with like blue lives matter and all of that stuff like it would be 
more passable. If you're like, oh, Superman and Blue Lives Matter, it's like, oh, okay, you know, I like Superman is saving kittens out of trees and doing good things. And like the problem is that <laughs> it feels like it feels like these cops are adopting like when you see military people, when you see cops, when you see <clears throat> the QAnon people <clears throat> raiding the fucking Capitol building and you see them adopting the skull logo, it's like you're adopting the logo of an unrepentant psychopath who is just hell bent mm-hmm. on murdering anybody who's on the opposing side. And that's where the breakdown happens because it's like, this is any cop. I'm not saying that if you're a cop, you like can't enjoy the Punisher, but you have to understand that you can't like mix and match those things. Like they have to be separate. You know, if you were a cop and the Punisher existed the same way as if you were a cop and Batman existed, you would be fucking offended because they, their existence is directly related to your failures your organization's failures so putting a skull logo on your fucking police cruiser in the environment that like it's purposely it's almost like a purposeful troll you know what i mean i can enjoy serial killer documentaries doesn't mean that i'm gonna like go to work and be a serial killer yeah not necessarily but i mean you can and (laughs) i think it's a valid life path um alternative yeah you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> but um but yeah no i mean it's just nice to take alves and i you know over the course of four months is that what it was about four months yeah. Yeah, we did that pretty quick. yeah we took a we just made a big big swing and every time we get like a little bit of acknowledgement for it it's like uh it's it's better than heroin you know, and that's saying something because heroin is real good. Um, but yeah, no, that was probably like the highlight of my week. You know, I just kind of been, uh, other than that, just been hanging out, kind of taking a little breather, getting ready for the next round of uh, punishment. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. See what you did there and I uh, like it. <sighs> yeah. Um so yeah, I think that's it. I don't have anything else to really add to the off topic. Except a couple of things that Kayla might not want to hear about. <clears throat> Talk about it later. Yeah. Um so yeah. We'll uh I guess we'll throw it a commercial. Yeah. All right. Then we'll come back. Peace. Ryan! (laughs) What the fuck are we talking about? No, I'm not going to do the Bane voice. Um, (laughs) Today, we are talking about uh, Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli's Batman Year One. Yes. Yes, we were supposed we were going to talk about No Time to Die, but uh, I got no time to see the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think Kayla is that interested in it, and uh, <clears throat> you didn't have time, and I don't really have that much to say about it. I, yeah. might, I might put a little bit of something somewhere, 
Yeah, I mean, this is a good like parallel to a Bond movie of the Batman books. Yeah, you know, um, Batman Year One is about the final year of Batman's crime fighting career. (laughs) It's 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 about the first year of Batman's crime fighting career, and uh, it is one of those classic comics that sort of burned into my brain. Um, We decided to do this relatively quickly. And um, I did wind up rereading it when I got home from work. I just sat down and was like, all right, here we go. And I just boom, boom, boom. And uh, it's it's so easy, dude. It's an easy book. It's nice and uh, nice and linear, you know, and uh, good character shit all around. And Mazzuccelli's artwork is super interesting. Uh, I mean, <coughs> mainstream comics was, I guess, is spoiled to have an artist like fucking Mazzuccelli or Mazzuccelli fucking grace the medium with like his his hand because like this stuff is really great and comes right before like a huge artistic shift sort of like right after year one where he starts doing a lot of um, kind of formal experimentation with like storytelling and like lettering and page design and layout and just it just gets so so far out it's uh almost unrecognizable to anything he did mm-hmm. in this or daredevil or uh, right. anything else he did but um, he just has this like fantastic way of there are times where he it seems so naturalistic and then there are times where it seems so insanely stylized and there's a tension back and forth between those yeah and um it's really it's a good fit i think for batman where it's like this is a human character doing inhuman things so the push and pull between naturalistic and stylized is really nice you know seems to be a good yeah. compliment um yeah he uh i don't know he's one of the only artists that i kind of really like in this style like the the pseudo realistic ish like i don't know he created kind of like an entire sort of a sub genre i guess um but I put him with like Mitch Gerards or like John Paulione. Mm-hmm. He's another one that that I like. Uh, but yeah, his sort of like formal stuff is just like so so well like understood that he just I don't know. The dude just like makes amazingly readable comics you know that like work on like formal levels on structural levels on emotional levels like Mm -hmm. i don't know the the sequence of him of like batman like saving the the homeless lady or whatever pushing the, the cart is like something that when i was a kid i didn't really get Mm-hmm. because like the silhouettes were like a little weird and i yeah. was like okay he's got a the belt isn't colored in for some reason and 
him like swinging on the lamppost didn't quite like register with me as a as a youngin but like it's just it's so good and like so smart uh fucking so few people make comics sort of this good you know yeah that shadow play is really great yeah and you know not to give frank miller too many props but he is (laughs) due a handsome amount of credit uh for his kind of collaborative abilities um both here and in a lot of other stuff that he's done like in daredevil and uh you know big guy and rusty like hard-boiled like mm-hmm. for such a proficient artist uh frank miller is like one of my f- favorite like writers when he's cooking or like mm-hmm. when he's like with a good collaborator and this is like a dream a dream book like it's what four issues five issues or something yeah like it just hits so fucking hard you know it it delivers on every feasible level as like a bat fan as a comic fan Mm -hmm. as like an art fan uh yeah i just i really i really love this book yeah that's great it really is fantastic and you know i think uh you know his his artwork is great on its own but also we got to give like a huge shout out to colorist richmond lewis because oh, yeah. the white. color is on fucking real it's so good and was actually repainted for the uh, the collection like she colored the original Prints printed stuff and those colors are also insane and amazing given the process that they were using mm-hmm. but since this book has been so regularly and consistently in print um she actually got the opportunity to like paint like you know paint the uh the color on the current and probably you know most widespread printing of this book yeah and uh, yeah it's it's amazing well it's it's really funny because it makes me think a little bit of like uh the killing joke but it's yeah. much less uh insane you know <laughs> like the color you mean it's like less garish you know what i mean it's like yeah. all the same colors but used in much more reasonable ways. Yeah, it's much, much more graceful. Yeah. Not not to put any hate on John Higgins, because... No, and... And love that guy, too, but... That complements the story that's being told. You know what I mean? Like, his color choice, that's a book about the Joker. But it makes it... It makes a strong and compelling case for Gotham not being as gray and red and black as we all kind of imagine it because it seems like between this book and the killing joke it's like there's a very very full range of colors in gotham you know it's super neon and like dirty but also has like a nice sunset and like blue to it so what i'm saying is like that neon uh, joel schumacher he was he was he was referring to the comics when he was pulling (laughs) the palettes out for the, the palettes out for uh 
for Batman and Robin. Yeah. It's like, I, I want mean... this to look just like year one. That's what he said when they went in production. <laughs> it's on record. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those comics that, like, I don't know, very few of get made, you know? Like, very few collaborations sync up this hard, you know? Right. The only, or one of the only other ones, or I guess a couple of the only other ones I can think of is, like, um, Jesus Sampaio and uh, Jose Munoz on Alex Sinner, which is like this crazy noir book from Spain, I want to say. And then like Grant Morrison and Frank Whiteley, just because those dudes, it feels like they live in each other's brains or something. But mm-hmm. like the synergy in this book is just unreal, you know? Yeah, everything feels completely cut from the same cloth, you know, even more so than Frank Miller's own illustrations in The Dark Knight Returns. Like, this syncs up more with his words than his own art, which is kind of spectacular, you know? Yeah, Um, Yeah, it's crazy to see, like, Dark Knight Returns year one and, like, strikes again as, like, an insane trilogy uh yeah <laughs> for frank miller even and just seeing like slowly loses his mind <laughs> yeah <laughs> well it seems like a pretty hard snap i guess actually kind of after <laughs> yeah. uh i guess after this uh, yeah. i think this came out after dark Knight returns right Ooh. Uh, huh you're testing my bat knowledge. I'm not sure. Let me let me look this up. I know they're close. Like either they both came out in like '85 or '86, or like one was coming out and then the other one was like right behind it. But uh, let's see. This is publication date 1987 for year one. The Dark Knight Returns is nineteen eighty six. Wow. Yeah, I wouldn't so have guessed that. Hard snap. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that because I um uh, it, it seems like the logical place to start would be the beginning. It's strange that Frank Miller was like, no no no, it's like tell the end, you know. I mean, that's that's how I picked it up. Like, I read The Dark Knight Returns before I read Year One. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, I liked Year One more than Dark Knight Returns. And I, I still go back and forth, but... Um, it's a tough call. Yeah, I mean, I really just... Like, I really like Frank Miller's art. Yeah. And there are bits in Dark Knight Returns where he just, like just draws his fucking ass off and like doesn't let Klaus Jansen like touch anything on like a whole panel and like those things are fucking awesome but yeah. like the you know that's kind of what I enjoy about Frank Miller are like his moments of like 
sublime fucking uh, execution or something. But yeah. They only had them sort of few and far between. Whereas like David Mazzucchelli fucking cooks all mm-hmm. the time. Like, right. Everything he does is just pushing, you know? Yeah. I also think that like being the beginning of something kind of requires a like you don't I don't have the same visceral reaction about Batman year one that I have about the Dark Knight Returns the Dark Knight Returns is like this is the culmination of everything that Batman's ever done everything he's ever been this is like the end of all of it and it um, it has like an emotional weight to it and an epicness to it it's like what do you get to see in that you know it's like you get to see batman come out of retirement and and beat up some young street punks but you also get to see batman you know settle the score with the joker and you also get to see batman take on fucking superman and win you know what i mean and it's like that can't really compare to this you know what i mean like that 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 is a whole other echelon and batman year one is like what where it triumphs is more in just the world building and like the understanding of like these are the conditions that led to batman needing to exist you know and uh so it's definitely a different vibe you know it's it's apples and oranges yeah Uh, like this this feels like a you know, a comic that somebody who is like very well educated in comics and art has made. Right. Whereas like Dark Knight Returns is just like this dude loves comics, loves Batman, and is about to have him punch Superman in the face and like do it well. And oh, uh, yeah. yeah, and it's awesome. But oh, so good. But like, yeah, apples and oranges just. Yeah trying to compare them yeah i i think i my knee-jerk reaction for many years probably would have been batman year one is much more my style but i think that just the amount of emotion that the dark knight returns conjures up in me um (laughs) kind of makes it probably my 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 preferred out of those two I mean, it's all the fuck over the place. Like, oh. you look at, like, year one is a beautiful, like, whole, like, chocolate cake. Mm-hmm. It's, like, expertly crafted, fucking mm-hmm. beautifully put together. And, like, Dark Knight Returns is, like, some fucking monstrous, like, platter of a slice of cake, some ice cream, maybe some pie like, or something. Like, like sex, sex in a bowl. And shot a couple that times. Putting in yeah. graham crackers and whipped cream and yeah. <laughs> exactly. And uh I mean he like Batman himself changes by chapter, you uh-huh. know, in that book. And it's just like Yeah, growing up reading that, I was like, I'm I know this is still Batman, but like why does he look totally fucking different? Like yeah from book to book totally yeah. fucking different and I'm like there's no big time jump there's no mm-hmm. 
explanation for it like oh. there it is and uh it also has just like i mean i know we're supposed to be talking about batman year one but well, like, it's, it's just like let's just do a dark knight returns <laughs> yeah no i mean the the dark knight returns also just has some of the best like savage batman kind of moments and savage batman moments are always sort of like they have a special place in my heart um yeah. the this isn't just a mud hole it's an operating table you know it's an operating theater and i'm the surgeon i'm like oh fucking yeah, badass man yeah that's some good shit yeah um yeah savage probably like rapidograph <laughs> stuff like all, all the lumpy lumpy batman shit when he's all like wrinkled and stuff that does it does it for me yeah yeah I would like to direct people to, if you have the collected edition, uh, I would like to direct people to the 38th page where the first appearance of Ryan Alves's mustache Batman. <laughs> uh, That's right. Right there. It's a beautiful thing. Um, Subconscious just planting, <laughs> planting the seeds. So as I was reading this, um, you know, it's 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 one of those things where like when you come up with the origin of like a legend character, <clears throat> there's always going to be like these little like stumbles and fumbles that happen. And there are a couple here and I wanted to talk about them. One of, one of them is uh, when he shows up, it's actually in that scene. He shows up to interrupt Carmine Falcone's dinner with the commissioner and, you know, a bunch of other like Gotham elites. And uh, he sets up a fucking spotlight outside of the fucking place before he blows a hole in the wall. (laughs) And it just feels really unnecessary and strange because presumably you'd want to make a quick getaway after that. And like, I just picture... I just picture him having to like pack up his lighting equipment and be like, "Oh, don't look over here! I'm not just uh, keep keep thinking in bewilderment about." As he's running away, like, "Don't you steal my fucking lamp?" Yeah, I forgot my electrical cord. You know, I'll be back tomorrow for my extension cord. (laughs) Yeah, I, I felt like that was like super strange, especially because in the beginning of that scene, they show him taking out chauffeurs that are sitting in the driveway I'm like just drive one of the fucking cars over if you want a light behind you and use the fucking light from one of the cars you know what i mean like it's just like a really weird moment yeah. um and then the other there's another one there there are two other things that i think about a lot and one of them is he's 25 years old and he's been gone from gotham for 12 years so he went traveling the world to become Batman at 13. And it, it feels a little bit weird to me. <clears throat> like I, I would assume he went to like a boarding school or something or, or some type of prep school. And, you know, maybe that's part of it. So maybe not all of that time was spent developing Batman, but like, <clears throat> That 25 years old thing is like a tough one for me to get my head around. I never feel like that seems accurate for Batman to come back and be Batman, you know? Yeah. 
Where do you put them? It's weird, and it doesn't make a hell of a lot of difference. Like, what's five years? But like thirty feels reasonable to me. You know, thirty feels like he could have left at. Yeah, you would have left at eighteen to go develop Batman. You know what I mean? And that's like, okay, yeah, he was an adult. But like, if you're trying to tell me that a thirteen-year-old, you know, his back starts beating up mentally handicapped, <laughs> disenfranchised, it sounds like something a thirteen-year-old rich kid would do. You know? <laughs> He's like, we gotta stop these dirty, corrupt, power-hungry, abusive cops. <laughs> and step one is gonna be me crunching the fuck out of this goddamn dude's face and just gonna drop a knee on this unconscious man's face in the name of justice you shouldn't have jaywalked asshole you know now i gotta cut your lips off <laughs> that's a different book oh uh, my bad yeah which which one's all called, what's that one called uh mark of the bat one of three unbelievably excellent josh simmons bad books that can be found out in the world if you're looking but yeah you can't you can't say that in dc comics yeah (laughs) yeah yeah stuff yeah the the lamp thing it's like it's like frank miller being ham-fisted it's just like all right we're doing a brass tax batman he's gonna get hit hit in the head with like a fucking tube tv he's gonna have to like wrestle you know a bunch of kids on a fire escape uh because that's how people rob stuff and you know setting up this lamp and stuff is just like a uh visual indicator for just like how fucking home depot level this whole operation is you know it's just like it's one of those things where it, it just it just smacks of like a it's silly like it's just it's like plainly oh, silly yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and also in the context of the scene you wind up showing there's a plate that has that has fire in it and you wind up seeing Batman put the cover over the plate the the plate and then I'm drunk. The flight. <laughs> you you see that Batman. Episode, uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> I about um, so you wind up seeing Batman <clears throat> put the cover over the plate, and then presumably the whole room goes into blackness, and he makes his getaway. It's like, well, it's a little bit difficult to fucking do that if you have a goddamn spotlight behind you. You know what I mean? So, like, what did you do? You turned the spotlight on for the beginning of that moment and then immediately turned it off so that you could make the room go dark when you covered the fucking plate of fire with the... You know what I mean? It's it's a really weird. Um, and then, here's my other point of contention, and they still haven't figured this out. And I think... I'm wondering if Matt... Well... I don't know if Matt Reeves will have figured this out either because you're definitely seeing Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne in like the the funeral scene. But like you got to eventually develop this story to where Bruce doesn't announce that he's coming back to Gotham as Bruce Wayne. You have to literally have him show back up quietly to Wayne Manor 
to start developing Batman and just be Batman. And at a certain point in that story, he has to realize, like, I can't just be Batman. Like, I need Bruce Wayne, you know? And, and that's when he would enter back into the world. And it would, number one, it would, like, solidify how much he is just Batman, you know? Like, how much Bruce Wayne really is just a persona, Number two, it separates the arrival of Bruce Wayne and the arrival of Batman by a significant span of time, significant enough that people wouldn't immediately be like, oh, you know, it's really fucking weird. Like (laughs) Bruce Wayne came back like two weeks ago and now Batman exists, you know? It's like this really fucking weird thing that they do in all of these origin stories with Batman that annoys the fucking shit out of me. It's almost on the level of Clark Kent's glasses. It's almost like, like that <laughs> level of blindness where I'm like, I don't understand how people aren't putting this shit together, you know? Well, I don't know. I, I like I like Frank Wiley's handling of the glasses and sort of like That's a great yeah. The the posture and like the, the psychology of like invisibility, I guess. Yeah. you know in society or something like that like he does a great job of making that passable whereas Zack Snyder and Henry Cavill don't like they're pretty much like well every, we're just gonna put glasses on this lumberjack nobody will notice fucking other iteration of Superman is just Superman <laughs> and then he has glasses on it and it's Clark Kent yep. he's still like standing <laughs> there but it's like oh yeah no and uh this yeah, looks like a job for superman i wish i knew where to find him so i'm not <laughs> superman <clears throat> yeah. why are you wearing this cape then oh shit i mean like yeah i wish somebody would or like i wish they would find somebody that would be able to like oscillate between like holding themselves a certain way and actually trying to like make themselves look different physically mm-hmm. and you know when they're superman like completely altering that but well they try to do it and it's like laughable like i remember when they did like christopher reeves um i, I always he's forget he's the one with the s or the or no it's it's Greg. Is it? Wait, who's who's who? Oh, Christopher uh, Reeve and George Reeves. George Reeves, Somebody? yeah. George. George Reeves is with the S. So Christopher Reeve, Superman. Um, they tried to do it with him to an extent with the clothing, and then like they did it with Brandon Routh, and they went even further, where it's like Brandon Routh is already a large man, and you're putting him in a suit that looks like it should be worn by like Vincent D'Onofrio's kingpin. You know what I mean? It's like, it's so he's swimming in the fucking thing. And it's like so goofy looking. And it's like, dude, if you just have him like do the Frank, you know, the Frank quietly, like stick your gut out, hunch your shoulders, you know, drop your head down, bend your knees. Look at the ground, you know, yeah. Shrink yourself. Yeah. But it's the same thing with this, you know, this kind of trope with Batman is like, 
as soon as Bruce Wayne shows up, Batman shows up, and the fact that that isn't put together immediately. And, like, there's a moment in this that I was actually kind of, like, chuckling at where he's saying, um, what does he say here? He says, he's, ta- he's talking on March 11th. He says, uh, Bruce Wayne has been sighted at the same hotel as a, no, 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 visiting. This is a reconnaissance mission until I know more. I must avoid combat until I'm ready. My anonymity is an obvious priority. The murder of my parents is a matter of public record. All it requires is a change in clothing and complexion and a simple, memorable, distracting detail. And I like almost laughed because it's like, yeah, you're right. Like, you're, that that's obvious like you would have the perfect motive but it's like you showing up with the perfect motive to fight crime and then a crime fighter showing up at the it, it, the same moment it's like it's not a very good ruse you know like people are going to put this shit together and it's like i just want to see a version of it where like batman year one batman year two has nothing to do with bruce wayne you know everything is still idling in the city without his presence you know and it's like a deep cover kind of situation that eventually he maybe he finds a villain that it's like i actually need bruce wayne to exist in order to get closer to this you know yeah but yeah it's funny how like people or i guess you know most uh handlings of like Batman and stuff kind of operate as just like Bruce Wayne being a means to just getting more Batman stuff there. It's like, oh yeah, he's got to be pretty so we can have a pretty dude on screen for a few minutes and then, you know, Batman. It's like, you know, not really engaging with Bruce Wayne as like a decent counterpart to the, to like the whole Batman recipe. And it's like, you know, doing themselves a disservice by like not kind of delving into that, you know? Well, in like, you know, that's why I brought up the, you know, I brought up Matt Reeves is like, he has the perfect opportunity to do this. Like everything that we've heard about the movie is like, it's essentially Batman, you know, There's not that much Bruce Wayne in it. And it's like, you have early days, batman you have a bruce wayne that like clearly doesn't give a fuck about himself you know and it's just kind of throwing himself into this persona and it's like it would be cool to have it be like you know bruce wayne is still presumably like to everyone's knowledge is traveling abroad while this batman character is emerging you know like and it wouldn't be hard to pull off we make a lot yeah. of sense, you know, just have him be matches Malone, you know, and he's not in the bat suit, you know, just do that, you know, but <laughs> yeah. I don't know. what do you think about some of the characterizations of like classic characters in this book? Like, um, like who? Cowan? Gordon? Hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I guess I don't really like the handling of Gordon in this. Yeah. Like, it's not, at least it's, it's not the Gordon that, like, I put in my brain, you know, like, the Gordon that I sort of imagine is, like, way more of a uh, idealist or, like, romantic or whatever, and, like, I don't know, the whole, like, infidelity, suicide thing, it's just like, all right, I get it, you know, he's having a hard time in a new city getting acclimated, but there are more effective ways to communicate that he's willing to do, you know, whatever it takes to, like, do a good deed or something um, than, you know, him getting some of the filth on him from the city, you know? Yeah, I feel like Gordon is somebody that should be, like, purely incorruptible, you know? Yeah, like, if anybody in Gotham, like, is going to be a voice of reason, like, it should just be Gordon, you know? Dude, if I was writing... If I was like, like straight up, I would Stanley Kubrick an adaptation of Batman Year One, where I'd just be like, "Hey, fuck what you wrote. Watch what I'm gonna do," and I would literally have the moment where it's like they go out, like him and Sarah go out for coffee, and they're talking, and they're trying to wait out the rain and everything, and then they start walking, and then it starts raining, and they duck into that corner and everything, and they have that moment, and Sarah leans in for a kiss. And just imagining Gordon being like, whoa, and like pushing her back and being like, don't do that. You know, like just being like, no, 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 no. I have a pregnant wife at home. Fuck off, you know? <laughs> yeah. And instead he just leans so hard into it. And I'm like, I, it's so not Gordon. Like, it's just not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And they don't really like go into him like, becoming stronger or whatever through that it's just sort of like oh so you know sarah left and now i'm stuck with this baby i guess and it's just like yeah. man what stuck <laughs> like, with my wife who won't stop eating she's pregnant she's eating for two but he's just like <laughs> she's just getting fat you know there's <laughs> a fucking complete asshole Gordon. Belly. I just oh, I, this isn't what I signed up for. I'm not attracted to this at all. I'm waiting for the stork to show up with my son, but jeez. <laughs> Try to save some food for the baby. No, I mean I I I just it, it reduces Gordon to such a hor horrible level, you know. Yeah, like there's, it's like a hopeful opening when he's like rolling around with Flash and he gets his ass kicked and then he fucking beats up Flash. Like, it's like, all right, cool. cool. You know, he's a badass. Yeah. But it's like, oh, oh, he's a badass, but he's also like corruptible. And it's just like, no, dude, fucking, this guy should be goddamn like Walker, Texas Ranger in Gotham City, you know, like, Batman's like the muscle. That's There's a casting like, choice for you. Chuck Norris is James. Yo. <laughs> yo. <laughs> if they could shave his beard off, I mean. I'm, why not? 
because his beard is <laughs> steel proof, bulletproof, fireproof, blade proof. You remember all those Chuck Norris jokes back uh, in the day? Thousands. Thousands of them. No, that, that yeah. Why not? This one that might be might be all right. <laughs> I mean, in, in the eighties, man, shit. Yeah. I mean, nothing against Pat Hingle, but you know, probably would have preferred Chuck Norris, Gordon. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Gordon kick somebody in the face. I yeah, I could get into that. Fuck yeah, you know. Well, Gordon's like, you know, he's. He is just a good man, you know, and I just don't, I don't, uh, I don't really appreciate the the Miller take. Like Frank Miller kind of does the same thing that Zack Snyder does, where he's just like, oh yeah, like let's show like the the worst aspects of who these people are, and it's like, why really? though? What are you doing? Realism means they suck. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Why? Why are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> I just I, I don't I don't buy it at all. And uh it kind of deflates like they like he's it, it becomes obvious what he's doing. It's like he needs them to have dirt on Gordon so that then they can threaten him and then they can have like the build up to the end of the the where there's like the big climactic like oh my god my family but it's like rings completely false when like the entire book he's like oh man i really don't want to have a fucking kid oh i'm really not in love with my wife and it's like oh no my family's in danger you know what i mean it's like you spent your whole book lamenting the fact that you have a family and it's like none of this makes sense now you know yeah would have been really funny if at the end when he like gets on the the bike the bicycle i think yeah like pulls his gun out instead of shooting you know bruce or whatever he just like stops and just like lets him like keep going and he just like gets in his car and like drives away <laughs> problem solved <laughs> yeah, yeah. just like i'm out of here <laughs> time I to go to new york out. and see sarah <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it uh it's not like I would have preferred the version of it where it's like, you know, Gordon's lieutenant now. So he has like some extra pull and, you know, her going in for that kiss and him being like, absolutely not. What the fuck? And then her getting transferred and it being like Gordon being like, get away from me, you know, like that would be. Or a- even like having a having a moment with like. You know, maybe Sarah coming in after she hears about the transfer and is just like, seriously? And he's just like reading his paper or something. Yeah. And him being like, oh, yeah, I heard that you got transferred. And <laughs> good luck. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. Did you get my uh, fruit basket? Like... <laughs> I sent you an edible arrangement. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Did you get my card? I had everybody sign it. yeah no i mean that's like the one that really stands out to me as being like a like a totally missed kind of a very missed characterization however i don't think i have as much of a problem with the suicide thing as you do um the suicide thing to me 
a proxy of like the other situation and just like him like like I don't see him having that kind of profound a dilemma especially because he just got back to Gotham if you made it like he had been there for five years or so trying to clean things up and just being like god damn it like I can't make any progress and like maybe he's getting he's like dodging getting set up by like other people who are like trying to pin false shit on him or something like that and he has to like actively avoid all this stuff and maybe like hide his family out and yeah Mm -hmm. if he's pushed to a point where he's just like maybe I should just fucking shoot all of us like that would be a great characterization of like gotham around him you know well, i always like <clears throat> like they do and what they what they do with batman begins is you need i think you need two pieces right and the, the two pieces that i like are the batman begins piece is that gordon is one of the only cops that's interested in consoling the young bruce wayne after his parents are murdered right then that Gordon, you know, maybe he does get transferred to Chicago for a little while and then he winds up coming back to Gotham. And then it's like five years, you know, of working in Gotham, just being like, holy fucking shit, and just getting broken down, broken down, broken down, broken down to the point that he almost kills himself right before, you know, right before this is going to take place. Batman turns up and Batman's like, I need your help. And like inspires his hope and it's like you see what you did way back then saved your life now there's like a karmic kind of thing that like those two pieces together are very satisfying to me as a story and uh you know i mean they don't really get into the idea that gordon is like suicidal in begins but like if they had i feel like it would add like a layer to that where it's like you know he like you might think that batman saved you but it's like no you you saved you you know you you did all the things that you needed to do to save yourself all these years later you know and uh there's something about there that something about that that there's like a rhythm to it and i i really i really like that yeah yeah i mean there's yeah it's a good like echo you know yeah it's um it's super it's important you know to me because i think the synergy between batman and gordon and the idea of them kind of saving each other you know is uh is special you know and informs that relationship and makes that relationship mean more you know um yeah i mean and yeah i don't know you gotta define these characters as like different characters you know and like if you have batman as like the gray area you should have gordon kind of be you know 
a clean slate, you know, or like a, you know, a stone in a rushing river or whatever. And like, Ooh, that is beautiful. Actually. And the idea of the stone getting smoothed out, you know, getting worn down. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. They, (sighs) they very rarely kind of like go any deeper than having, than just being like work partners or something like that. And like having their histories like entwined with, uh, I mean, it would make this book land even twice as hard, you know, if it was like, oh, yeah, he was there, you know, that night and like just so happens to come back on the same day, even though like they don't know it. Mm -hmm. But like just universally, like these two are like karmic parallels or whatever. Yeah. Well, it's funny because they do a lot of work in the beginning of this book to kind of have them sort of paralleling each other's thoughts where it's like he's like on the train going into Gotham and saying that Barbara is coming in by plane and that that's the way that she should come in that seeing Gotham by train is no way to see it you know it's too close too dirty and like then Bruce coming in by plane and you know lamenting about you know when you see it from this height from this distance you know it's all steel and concrete towers you know and talking about like the separation between him and his enemy and how he should be closer you know so it's like they're both kind of wishing they were in the opposite positions you know or something yeah but yeah you get the sense in this book that like this is the first time batman's ever heard of gordon um he has like a one-off moment where he's like i keep hearing that name gordon you know and he's made enemies with all the right people you know and it's like that's fine but there's something about the sense of possible you know lineage and backstory with them that that's you know, I think it does add to it. Yeah, it's rife, rife for uh, for mining. You know. Yeah. Um. You also brought up Catwoman. What are your thoughts? You think I do like Catwoman? Catwoman angle. Um. I mean, you know, as much as I can like, I guess. You know, the only black person also being a prostitute in this book, but, uh, you know. I like the, hopefully the nod to, is it Eartha Kitt that was mm-hmm. one of the first it was the uh, Catwoman? Yep, yep, in the 60s Catwoman. show. Um, and, uh, you know, that's it's a cool detail, but I'm not sure how intentional that was. Like, I, I don't think I've ever heard, like, Frank Miller talk about it or anything. But, uh you know, it's it's cool, I yeah. guess. You know, she's a strong, independent lady, mm-hmm. and, like sex worker, and uh, 
Yeah, like her and like Holly's relationship and her kind of like magical relationship with just like all cats around her. Um, but not too magical. Like nobody drops her out of a 50-story yeah, building and she's brought back to life by magic cats, which is appreciated. Yeah. Glad that that didn't happen in this book. No, no, she's just really good with cats this time. Yeah. <laughs> um. yeah god uh, but yeah really like nicely handled kind of like low uh, low grade magic you know like after the the SWAT raid and the, the building and whatever and like Batman's fighting everybody and that one cat gets out after mm -hmm. that dude tries to shoot it you know Selena's just hanging out and just like runs right to her and yeah. uh, she has a communion with cats like Snoop Dogg and dogs. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like Snoop Dogg and Pot. <laughs> <laughs> she tries to blackmail me. I'll drop her out a higher window. <laughs> God. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I I I like <clears throat> I mean, look, me and you have already had many conversations about the intrinsic values of, of a black Catwoman. Yeah. Um, however, that's not really in this book. It's like, oh, she's just black because she's impoverished. Is that what, like, is that the reason? <laughs> yeah. Is that like the only reason? Poor people are black, the right? Fuck. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a little bit weird. <laughs> I mean, Frank Miller never really had much of a veil i guess between uh his art and his ideologies like hmm. a lot of this stuff doesn't really stand up to uh severe scrutiny you know remember that cool angry batman 911 book <laughs> i'll start batman and robin <laughs> <laughs> That was the 9-11 of fucking Batman comics. <laughs> uh, my favorite Batman line ever. Be retarded from the goddamn <laughs> Batman. <laughs> if you want to know two, know. Sen two sentences that would get anyone else <laughs> fucking fired for writing and publishing in a mainstream comic, read fucking Issue two of Dude. All Star Batman and Robin. Batman, like just the idea of Batman saying something that fucking tone deaf. You know what I mean? Like Batman being like, "What are you, kid? Retarded? <laughs> what are you doing?" And that's how crazy. old are you, dude? You're talking to a fucking ten year old. Like, grow up, Jesus! You're in a bat suit, man. He's arrested development, man. It's like. Just kidnapped this kid <laughs> yeah his parents just died <laughs> like 10 minutes ago his parents died the dude shows up and throws you in some fucking car dressed up like a bat <laughs> are you kidding what are you kid retarded I'm a kidnapper you know I'm gonna take you home and chop you up into little pieces yeah I got a cave a cave caked out for you <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna feed you rats and shit. Ugh. Ugh. 
but no yeah what I a mean, horrible fucking book <laughs> that's the thing it's you like should, you should do that you should do that book Shit. oh i i oh god i think i read i think i read that first issue and the moment i, I it was before that okay the moment where i disconnected from it and keep in mind when did that come out all-star Robin. eight when? nine no right 2011 i want to say was I that old? 2010, I, maybe. So I I was 20 if it was 2010. And like, I guess that, you know, I was mature enough, you know. But the moment where I checked out was Vicky Vale getting dressed. And I was like, this is fucking jerk off material for losers. Dude, it's a wild storm comic. Oh, my. Like, yes. Oh my god, yes, what the fuck? Yeah, it was the ugliest fucking like it was so juvenile. It was like Michael Bay was like, <laughs> I'm doing a Batman movie, you know? Like it was that that level. And it was just like you couldn't even take it seriously. It was it was like yeah. it wasn't campy. It was just dumb. It was just super dumb. And Frank Miller is responsible for the best and worst Batman books <laughs> ever made. It's crazy. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's a legacy, you know? It's it's impressive. I don't, you know, I don't want it for myself, but I am objectively impressed at just the sheer range of emotions he gets me to like, feel. I can do know? good, I can do awful. I, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, dude. I mean, I can I can actually, cook you a beautiful filet 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 mignon. What 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 am I talking about? I can, I could cook you a beautiful five star dinner, or I can literally just shit on a plate. You like eat <laughs> yeah. it? You know, I'm Frank Miller. I mean, actually, as a counterpoint to year one, it's like, damn, you know. Like That's you Robin see, year one. I mean, <laughs> it's not even like, uh, it's Robin year one for the first issue or two, maybe two issues where he's like talking to, to him. But do they ever actually get to Robin? And, I didn't Robin's read that suit? far. I did not read that far. I picked up every fucking issue, and they made it nine or ten issues, and I'm pretty sure Robin and Batman actually never showed up together in that book. They're on the covers. Oh, yeah. No, they're all over the covers. But... They could sell, so they could sell the horrible book. Oh. <laughs> like... Could you imagine oh, Jim oh. Lee, like... Like the way Jim Lee talked about Frank Miller being like, no, like him being like, you know, it's just such an honor to get to work with Frank Miller. And like, I'm so excited. (laughs) He's done so many great Batman books. And then Frank Miller gives you that fucking script. (laughs) Sitting there like, wait, Frank, what? What are you retarded? (laughs) Did I write this? I mean, I will, I will stand behind. Um, like, if Frank Miller drew All Star Batman and Robin, that would That's be true. 
a great Frank Miller book. It would change it would be things. Crude, and it would be stupid and awful. But like <sighs> a seven or eight page fold out spread of the Batcave drawn by Frank Miller instead of this fucking Dead Sea <sighs> Jim Lee shit. It would. It it's would, so yeah. immediately interesting, just because. I mean, he's old. The dude knows what he's doing. The dude's like figured out like the corners he has to cut. I mean, drawing wise, oh, like, okay. the dude can tell a story. Like, <laughs> like he knows what he's doing. Comics, like I don't know if he does. But it comes to comic books. He knows how to put panels in sequence to tell a story. You know, allegedly. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no. You're I right. mean, you know, it, I think it, in, I think it would have helped. Like we've had that conversation before like i think all-star batman and robin's ludicrous like kind of almost like dark knight returns-esque kind of environment but like cranked up higher um yeah, it's like it's drawn like, yeah. by somebody like jim lee it's fucking awful really yeah. bad it just lands like a fucking worst tasting <clears throat> sour candy that like somebody just actually made like poop sour and made it into a candy. And then yeah. you're like, you know, getting all this like fucking aggressive, like nose crunching fucking bitterness. And then you like taste it and it just tastes like shit. And you're like, why does this exist? <laughs> why did anybody fucking put this into the world for anybody else? Like, it's like, it's one of those things that on paper makes sense. It's like at the time, oh, Jim Lee dude. is like Jim Lee's a great artist. You know, he's not always my he's not always my cup of tea. I think some of his shit's too clean. But like you you're you're thinking about <clears throat> at that time, everybody's like Batman Hush. That was so great, and Jim Lee's a big part of why that's great. And then you have Frank Miller, the guy that wrote Batman Year One and The Dark Knight Returns. It's a dream team, you know? And it's like that dream team conjured nightmares. Like that's well, they, what you, that's what happened. And then, <laughs> and they were coming out, like they were, like I so vividly remember the release of like the All-Star line. Like I'm pretty sure it was when we were at Montserrat yeah. or like, slightly yeah yeah it must have been a monster app, but um i like was collecting wizard for like the months leading up to that and they were doing like peeks into like frank quietly's sketchbook for the superman book and they had like his weird s that was just like this kind of it was more of a symbol that yeah. looked vaguely like an s than like a formal s and right. he eventually had to switch it to the classic like superman s but like in those sample pages in those wizards, you know, they show you just fucking great behind the scenes looks at, you know, Frank Quietly's sketchbook. There was some like uh, Frank Miller sketchbook, like doodles and stuff like that with like Jim Lee drawings like next to him. And they're like, yep, DC's about to put out this all-star line. Fucking these four creators are gonna start it out. And I'm like, Frank Quietly's not going to get that book done for fucking 10 years because <laughs> you, you can't do more than a three-issue book in one year, and that's okay. Yep. And I was just like, that's never going to happen, and this Frank Miller and Jim Lee book is going to rock. It's going to fucking <laughs> rock. 
And then it was just like, Whoops. All-Star Superman number one came out, and I was like, holy shit. Like, holy shit. I cannot wait for this next issue to come out in fucking 10 years. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Two months later, it drops. And then issue one of All-Star Batman and Robin drops. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Here we go. I'm going to pick up my Batman variant, my Robin variant. I'm going to fucking read the shit out of one of them. And yeah, I get to like the four page fucking Vicky Bill dressing scene. And then like the cherry on top of like Batman on the last page. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, are you fucking kidding me? The second issue is going to be better. I know it. I know it. And then I pick <laughs> it up and it's that. And it's just like downhill. And I've never had a harder kind of about face moment than when I was probably like six months in and All-Star Batman and Robin, I think three or four had been delayed for like eight months or something like that. And All-Star Superman was just like coming out bi-monthly. And I was yeah. like, what the fuck? We have entered some weird, you know, wormhole or something where Frank quietly can like get enough drawing done that he's putting these books out or has had a big <laughs> enough head start that he's able to do this. And yeah. uh I've never been more grateful for a another book to exist Dude, and, than and I was when those two came out. One is a classic and one is utter trash. It's fucking crazy. And it was all the initiative, the all-star initiative on DC was to catch up to Marvel's Ultimate Universe, which was like their reboot, rebranding of a lot of their properties to introduce to modern audiences without... Yeah the trappings of canon and uh that was the plan they were going to all star up the dc universe to compete and it was like holy fucking shit what a misfire like you fucked up batman like how do you fuck up batman you know how did like these two <clears throat> fuck up batman yeah no it's, it's like i mean fucking crazy i don't know frank or jim lee <clears throat> did like his best Frank Miller impression on a bloodshot book back in the nineties when he first formed image and it's not great. You know, he goes like a little like heavier handed with like the ink stuff, but it, it looks like a Jim Lee copy of like a Frank Miller homework assignment. And, right. uh, you know, just like from there, you should have been able to kind of, uh, ascertain that like it's a weird mix unless they're playing to each other's strengths and like i don't know it's just such a lazy mashup you know like i can see you can see corporate all over that fucking decision to like put those two together it's like yeah hush did gangbusters frank miller does gangbusters let's get these two dudes together we're gonna do fucking gangbusters and it's like no fuck you guys these two dudes that have never should have like been in a room together to like collaborate. And like, that's why you pick teams that have like shown and proved like Grant Morrison and Frank quietly to do these books because I mean, proof is in the pudding. Yeah. You like literally get Frank Miller's worst work on his probably second most revolutionary character behind like daredevil yeah. and uh, jim lee both doing 
what they do best, but together it's just fucking awful. And like, yeah, then you have Frank, you have Frank quietly and Grant, Grant Morrison just like casually putting out probably the best Superman book we're ever gonna see. You know? Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of. Uh... There's a lot of like real bad decision making happening with All Star Batman and Robin. But the the one that always jumps out to me is um <clears throat> is uh I'm pretty sure I'm right. I'm looking at the art right now and I'm trying to think, but is it Neil Adams did like a variant cover? So is, is that who this is right here? That Neil Adams, it's fucking awful. Oh yeah. It is so fucking awful. <laughs> like it's such a half-baked idea. God, that is insane. It that is, is insane the worst fucking up. thing I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. This guy's supposed to be the Joker. That's the Joker. I, I so basically, all right, for people that are listening and have no idea what I'm talking about. You look up the variant cover for All-Star Batman and Robin, The Boy Wonder, number eight, okay? And it's this variant cover from Neil Adams, and there's a guy that looks like Jerry Seinfeld, and he's. it looks like he's holding the side of his head, but instead of it being a hand, it's like it morphs into Batman, like Batman's head, and then... It's like supposed to be this weird. It's I think he's trying to do an optical illusion. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. And it just it just is like two superimposed images. <laughs> I mean, I really Real like hard. what it's doing to my eyes, but I hate the drawing itself. Oh, it fucking sucks, dude. Like I <laughs> there's nothing there. <laughs> there's nothing there <clears throat> like yeah, i mean neil adams has also probably been phoning it in whenever he's not on his own book for years dude he his uh i i saw him at a comic-con and he talked to me about how the world is getting bigger um which is nice. why the continents all split apart is because the world is actually growing um and as he was talking to me about this insane theory, I was flipping through his uh, sketches for sale when he had a headshot of Batman in profile, $1,200. He's Neil, he's Neil fucking Adams, dude. Yeah, I don't care who he is. <laughs> you can fuck off with that. Bye-bye. Um, I mean, he's, he's like the Batman, dude, you know, kind of before Frank Miller. Uh, yeah and that's fine that's fine you're not going to convince me twelve hundred dollars for a batman sketch oh. it's like the like it's literally <laughs> it was that big it was like the it was literally like a quarter of a piece of computer paper yeah, what he, that batman just, sketch was on he just thinks he's <laughs> mobius you know that's that's what i'm saying and it's like look i it's i wouldn't spend that money on anybody's batman sketch you know anybody's you know yeah right i mean have you read any of his uh recent batman stuff neil no 
No, it actually. Is off the fucking hook, dude. Like, <laughs> is it good? No. Is it like Batman trying to solve the mystery of why the world's getting bigger? It's like. 50 Batman, some of them have guns, some of them have giant bat wings, and they're fighting, like, robot dinosaurs on, like, a fucking bullet train. Like, Excuse Batman me? Odyssey and Batman uh, versus Ra's al Ghul have been, like, his two most recent just totally fucking insane, like, Batman books. And uh, as crazy as he probably is in real life, these books are just hilarious and terrible but uh you know i'm glad they exist when did these the come mainstream? out what was this 2005 odyssey long time ago odyssey oh, yeah odyssey yeah odyssey was when you're in school i guess it looks like uh it looks like a 2005 book yeah it's crazy dude um oh. i just don't know how he's like getting away with doing a lot of the weird shit that he's doing in this in like these books because i don't know i've read a couple of random issues of odyssey and i haven't been able to glean anything that's happening um <laughs> but dude his, exactly. art, his art looks terrible here like <laughs> holy shit well he's doing all the like Neil Adams tropes. Is that Neil Adams? Yeah, that's right, Neil Adams. Just like old, like you with know. A, with a modern inker and colorist, his work looks like fucking dog shit. What yeah, dude. Well, it's all the like the computer <clears throat> shading just like sucks on anything, dude. Yeah. It's his like 70s stuff with with uh denny o'neill's like that's where it's at you know oh yeah that stuff looks good well that's like you know probably a byproduct of like all the bad printing uh technology that they had much better much better i mean all all that old almost all old coloring is uh superior to a lot of like modern stuff yeah yeah i don't know (laughs) it's kind of weird seeing like a like a batman costume with the blue i'd be interested in that they should do something with that in the movies should give like batman like the the straight up fucking blue cape and cowl and gloves and shit um yeah so i'm trying to think if there's anything else that i really wanted to say about year one i uh i i feel like the overall plot feels fine it doesn't really go anywhere it sort of just is like oh yeah like and then there's Gordon's family almost got kidnapped and killed and shit. <clears throat> it wraps and, up super um, quick at the Joker end. Shows up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It wraps up really quick like they didn't know what to do with it. And it's a little bit odd. Um, well, they were probably starting to get numbers in for Dark Knight Returns or something. 
Mm-hmm. And we're just like, we got to get you on another book, like now. Yeah. What do you got? And they're like, uh, well, I'll get Dave. He, he works with me a lot on yeah. Daredevil. We should collaborate. And You're probably like, right. right dude. You're probably right. I do like, the, I mean, um, you know, there's another team that's that shows and proves, you know, mm-hmm. they have a bunch of stuff together that's immaculate. Yeah. I, I like the, uh, the action sequence where you have like Brandon and his SWAT guys coming to like take out Batman. Um, you know, that's great. And we've seen like versions of that adapted into modern movies, particularly in Batman begins with like the, uh, calling the bats for cover. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty good sequence. Um, no, it's beautifully drawn, beautifully paced. Yep. You know, it's like a good action sequence for how understated uh, Mazzuchelli's art artwork is. Yeah. <laughs> well, know? it feels very much like the types of movies that were being made in like the like the seventies and eighties. Like, it really does feel of that era. Yeah. Um, yeah, it feels like cool. a Warriors. You know. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great tone for for Batman. And I think it does a a lot of good in like kind of establishing that setting in a more firm way. Yeah. I think Man Reeves is doing it. I mean, just judging from like the cover of this book alone. Yeah. Like this printing. It's just like, oh somebody has seen copies of i mean most copies of like year one are either like this or like just the head like the older ones are just like the head with the red background and like yeah the red background and and the black like yeah that is 100 percent. so you know i think you know the i think the tone that reeves is going for will be probably the closest to something like this or something like you know the warriors or something that we've seen yeah since maybe you know batman and robin 97 <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> joel schumacher my visual inspiration for batman and robin was uh frank miller's a batman year one and uh beautiful art by david david mazzucchelli Mazzuchelli, whatever his name is. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you ever see Joel Schumacher talk? Uh, yeah, I think so. And sometimes he seems embarrassed. <laughs> About Batman and Robin? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, good. <laughs> I mean, I love uh, I love the interviews with like George Clooney and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and they're like, you know, oh yeah, we we destroyed it, we destroyed it. <sighs> I saw an interview like, where somebody like apologizing <laughs> or like yeah, okay, <laughs> no, we yeah, like apologizing. Somebody asked uh, George Clooney if he had any advice for Ben Affleck, and uh, he was just like no why would you ask me about advice about playing bat no i don't have anything to tell like no 
I don't don't mess it up. That's my advice. <laughs> don't do what I did. Yeah, like <laughs> um <sighs> yeah. But I don't know. Year one is uh like a classic Batman book and it does a lot of good things like as first, you know. It's just like the first kind of stab at an origin story, the first really solid explanation as to why Batman needed to exist. Um, first kind of like grounded, tangible, but still kind of pleasing, you know, jaunt into a, sort of addressing Batman as like a quote unquote real figure. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 you know, it stands the test of time. It's definitely there are moments in it that it's like showing its age, you know. But oh, yeah. it's an old book, so guess it earned it. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't know. I think we're all set, huh? Yeah. So uh, I'll start Batman and Robin next week. <laughs> <laughs> Issue two, one through six. I if when it comes down to us doing that, I'll make sure to kill myself before we have to actually <laughs> do the before I actually have to read it. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Well, if you made it this far, thank you for listening. You are troopers. Ba 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 da 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 you hear his voice every week on wt fada but now you can take a little bit of him home with you that's right Simply go to L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash A-W-E dot comics and you'll find links to all of Mr. Ryan Alves's magnificent work. Everything from his bubblegum maelstroms to his mustache Batmans uh, and beyond. Uh, go check it out. Go pick yourself up a couple of books. So, um, uh, we couldn't talk about it while Kayla was on because, you know, Kayla doesn't like trailers and everything, but like, what did you think of Spider-Man No Way Home trailer? Oh yeah, pretty weird, right? Pretty, uh, that, that fucking, that post-production team's really slacking, man. The, uh, <laughs> the CG team or whatever, like, whoever the physics person is should absolutely be fired uh, for that that trailer snafu because you know the lizard yeah yeah it's weird yeah. it's like tom holland isn't anywhere near him and it's like he gets punched in the face by some invisible figure super weird i mean yeah I, it couldn't possibly be any other spider person than tom holland right I don't think so. I mean, that wouldn't make any sense, right? I mean, it's... No, no, they're only bringing the villains back from every other fucking movie that they've made in the last 10 years. That's right. that's that's the only thing Sony's looking to cash in on. I think so, yeah. 
that's what I think. I mean, Andrew Garfield has said repeatedly that he's not in Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, and, and Tobey Maguire passed away, what, 12 years ago? It's been a while. It's been a while. It's a long time. Long he was, time. His last movie was uh, The Great Gatsby. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Hopefully they'll CGI him in, you know, or like do some weird like Tupac hologram thing. That's what they're going to do. I know they're going to do it, you know, and they're going to do it on like a Sony projector and like, I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to be, they're going to have Jake Gyllenhaal voice him. Yeah. It's just going to be Jake Gyllenhaal again, just in a Spider-Man suit. (laughs) They're just going to credit him as Tobey Maguire in the credits. (laughs) It almost happened. It almost happened way back oh, uh before spider-man like... 2 okay. yeah because toby mcguire's back was so jacked up they were like well maybe we'll get jake Hall to come in and replace you and then toby was like well let me work out a little and maybe i can maybe i can correct this <clears throat> and then, my the joke... doesn't hurt so much. then the joke in the movie is when he does the i'm back I'm back and he falls and he lands on the car and then he's like, My back. Oh my back. It was like, ah. It was actually an injury. <laughs> yeah. It was it was they were literally making fun of him for being a huge pussy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he actually threw him out of a one-story window onto the dumpster like that. Uh that was a completely you know, no stunt double. That was Tobey Maguire taking that hit. Sam Raimi just shoved him. He was like, so wait, what are we doing? I'm going to, you're going to lower me down and then I'll drop in in front of the camera. And Sam Raimi was like, action. Yep. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, honestly, I don't know. It's like, it's just so, it's so much. Like we already know that there's other spider people in it. And oh. people are like, and now that now that people are fucking pulling out detailer details or whatever from the trailer, it's like, all right, great, you've officially spoiled it before. <laughs> you know, we've seen before it's already been spoiled two months ago. Like, well, I mean, this has been the sloppiest fucking. That this has been the leakiest ship since the Titanic. Well, I'm, te- like... I'm telling you, this is how they're cutting out Sony. This is how they. This is how Marvel cuts out Sony. See this. While I think also, this is how Sony cuts out Marvel. That's what I think. You yeah. think Sony will get Spider Man after all this? They they have them. They have them. I mean, they they literally. It's like a contract negotiation with Marvel, and Marvel gets to be like, okay, well, we'll get to use Spider Man in our movies because the fans want it, but it's Sony's character they own the rights so they're literally crafting this spider-man no way home and it's like essentially what's going to happen is spider-man is going to get sequestered off into an alternate universe where he can't get back to the marvel cinematic universe like 100 percent yeah that is awful i mean wow fuck Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, that's what oh, I that's, think that's is happening. Totally it. Yeah. Either that, I don't know. What what I'm thinking is <laughs> because nobody likes doing anything new anymore. 
<laughs> Sony kind of like co-opting their last 10 years of Spider-Man movies onto Marvel's kind of like big Spider-Man movie, I think will position them to do a fucking Spider-Man 4 with Sam Raimi or a Amazing Spider-Man 3, which at this point, nobody fucking wants. Like, I'm objectively interested in a Spider-Man 4 just because I want to see Sam Raimi get to, like, do whatever he wants with Spider-Man and, like, hope that he gets to fucking stretch or something. But it's like... Was it been 15 years at this point? 2007 to 2017 plus four yeah 14 years yeah Yeah. and like nobody's (sighs) clamoring for that movie but i can see sony being like all right you guys like spider-man right and marvel (laughs) thanks very much for clearing the path to to our spider-man and it's gonna show Tobey Maguire or andrew and or (laughs) andrew garfield and everyone's gonna be like no stop and they'll be like and then there's morbius and we got a venom and spider-man crossover that you guys have been waiting for and it's like hopefully marvel will get their spider-man back and they can hang on to tom holland and continue to do whatever fucking decades long rollout they have planned and let sony just continue to be like all right well can can we have uh this that villain now or like you know just keep throwing random Spider-Man shit at us until like the rights go up again and Marvel actually like gets Spider-Man back. But they need to like they need the the problem is is that from a business position, Sony actually needs Spider-Man to continue to be a company. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like <laughs> They're so fucking behind the eight ball at this point that I don't think that they could ever sell that character, despite how much damage they do to that <laughs> character and his villains on an almost weekly basis. At this they kind point. of themselves, actually, by <laughs> proxy of all this like mishandling. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's kind of amazing to watch the pitfalls <laughs> and mistakes that Sony makes, and like. Spider-Man No Way Home is one of these ones where this feels like the most Sony tinkered, you know, Spider-Man outing that we've had since The Amazing Spider-Man 2. They pretty much let Marvel call the shots and kind of guide them through the first two movies. And this one has all the classic trappings of Sony fucking disaster movies like it's like, oh, well, remember how we had three villains in uh, Spider-Man 3 and it fucking sucked? Oh, remember how we had three villains in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and it fucking sucked? Well, hold on to your hats, bitches. It's time for six fucking villains. You know what I mean? Like, let's repeat the past two times over and see how much worse yeah. it can get. Oh, that didn't work? Double it. <laughs> yes. It'll work this time. Yeah, perfect. And, like, I think that I mean, I'm I'm excited about it because it's like a cool concept, but I'm also super nervous just because I don't trust these people not to fucking fumble the ball, you know? They're absolutely going to do a stupid job with, like, a, a bad, a stupid bad job. I mean, like, yeah. just the fact that, that they're fucking doing this multiverse shit, 
is just like very telling of how like creatively bankrupt a lot of these people are you know if they're like going for all these fucking comic gimmicks already you know well i knew that i knew that tom holland spider-man wasn't going to be for me um pretty early on and it, it had everything to do with his relationship with Tony Stark and the Tony Stark made the Spider-Man costume. I was like, Oh, why? You know, like Jesus. And then it just seems like they, they're dude, you have Spider-Man. It's Spider-Man. Like none of the other characters, it doesn't matter that the, they're in the MCU. None of those other characters are, on the level of popularity or just general coolness as Spider-Man. So it's like, you want to have Spider-Man and Iron Man in the first movie? It's like, all right, fine. And then like the second movie, it's like Spider-Man, Nick Fury. And it's like, okay, fine. And then it's like Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. And I'm like, yeah, like, cool. But also like, why do you guys think that Spider-Man needs those characters to like have a movie? Like, Spider-Man makes a billion dollars just being Spider-Man. You know what I mean? So I don't really understand why it feels like they've been like hand-holding him. I, I, I would like to have just a traditional Spider-Man movie at some point. And it feels like they're decidedly, you know, they're decidedly a thing of the past at this point, you know? <clears throat> yeah, I mean... You know, it's kind of the it's the Batman pattern with less time behind it. You know, slightly less time, yeah. or like less movies, I guess. Because yeah. uh, you know, he's been in the zeitgeist since the '60s or '70s mm-hmm. or whatever with that cheesy live-action television show and stuff. Yeah, that guy said he didn't get asked back. What? He's in his like late seventies, and he's like, "I really would have wanted to do it." And I'm like, "What the <laughs> fuck? Why are why is Nicholas Hammond not in Spider-Man: No Way Home? What the fuck right? is going on here?" I mean, he, hopefully he'll voice somebody <clears throat> in next Spider-Verse movie because at least those guys know how to fucking do it. But um, true. Where's I going with that? Oh yeah, just like I don't know. We're in the the phase of spider-man popularity where you know people are assuming or like i guess corporate is assuming to know what people want and they're just putting out sort of like these weird regurgitated slightly altered versions of like old vaguely successful movies but like cleaned up and like polished with like the hope that maybe they'll like it this time around and uh, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. It's it's probably going to be another like five years before we just see like a good, like a flatly good Spider-Man movie that's just Spider-Man doing good Spider-Man shit without having to like be in the MCU. You know, it it really it's like overwhelming. You know, because he's not of he's not like them. Like, he was never, and, like, the worst version of him is the version where he's, like, somehow involved with the Avengers. 
Like it's the worst version of Spider-Man is that version. Like I want, I can't pay my fucking rent. And oh my God, I forgot MJ's birthday dinner. And my Aunt May fell down a flight of stairs and broke her fucking old hip. You know what I mean? Like I want that Spider-Man. Oh, he's Spider punched in the face by like Rhino <laughs> and Electro who are like robbing a bank or something. Yes, just the basic jokes. shit. Yeah. yeah, just the basic shit. And like, that's one of the things that like, I was not a fan of like, I was not a fan of Iron Man being core to like developing the Spider-Man costume. Wasn't a fan of Spider-Man's costume having all this high tech bullshit in it, like augmented yeah. reality goggles. Um, I wasn't a fan of Spider-Man's web shooters having all of these default settings because I'm like, <clears throat> I want Spider, like I want Peter Parker to be like, I developed a thing that shoots webs. And then it's like, huh, I wonder how, I wonder what I can do with this. And then it's like little things. Like I remember in the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man, there's a point where you see him actually put his thumb over his wrist when he fires the web and it causes it to spray out wider. And I'm like, that shit is dope. Like that's wicked cool. He has a thing that does one thing and he can manipulate it into doing other things, you know, and that's really cool that's how spider-man's supposed to be to me is like kind of like scrappy you know what i mean and not yeah. so well prepared and scrappy but like highly intelligent right and able to be like okay like i'm fighting a character like i'm fighting someone that is an electric man you know i'm fighting electro and it's like okay i need to develop a suit that is rubberized you know what i mean like and all of this stuff that he has to do just on his own and with his like with his brain power on a budget that's the shit that i like and then the other part of it is the peter parker side of it where i don't buy for a second that people in the mcu like people at peter parker's school actually think he's like a nerd and a loser i, I don't buy it he dresses cool um oh yeah like in the mcu yeah he dresses cool he looks at like he 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 listens to good music um he has flash thompson as a bully and it's like really like he calls you penis parker and that's it you know i'm like that's <laughs> i want the joe manganello bully that's like i'm gonna break your face right now you know like I want Peter to have a shitty fucking life and still do the right thing. And I feel like Tom Holland doesn't suffer enough. They're starting to play more with it. And I felt it like in, uh, in far from home, I felt like, okay, they're kind of putting him through his paces a little bit, you know, having him get betrayed, you know, by Mysterio and stuff. And like, you know, all of that is, All of that helps, but it's still just especially like it's hard, to have, go, it's hard like, to have like real stakes when you got fucking Stark Tech backed up with when you have Spider Man backed up with Stark Tech because like Spider Man as you know Marvel I think knows because like in Infinity War when he shows up and catches the fucking punch from the dude. And he's uh, like talking to Tony Stark, and he's like, "Oh, hey, Mister Stark, like, what's up, bro? You got a trip to the MoMA?" It's just like, okay, a that's a great display of like Spider-Man's strength or whatever. But like, if he's got a Robo Spider Suit backing him up, like, 
like I don't I don't feel anything watching him do anything. Like no. I imagine it's a bulletproof suit. I imagine it's got some kind of like structural enhancement so he doesn't like rip any ligaments or whatever if he's like falling off a building or like jumping super high or something. And it's just like all that automated shit needs to like stay with Iron Man and like Spider-Man should just be in pajamas. That's literally like I and I, I've messed around with this, like, you know, just to see what would happen. And it actually does work the way that I imagined. But, like, I, um, <clears throat> they had, like, a red stocking cap thing at a, at a Halloween store. And I was like, all right, well, give me that for a second. And I put it on a mannequin head. And what I did was, you know how, like, the Sam Raimi movies and then eventually the Amazing Spider-Man movies have the raised webbing? I was like, yeah. how do you do that on a budget? And I grabbed a hot glue gun. And I put the webbing on with a hot glue gun. It's fucking awesome, dude. It's like that shit is what Peter Parker would do to achieve that look. That would be fucking cool. That's what I want to see. I want to see this like fabric marker. Yeah. I, I want to see this like this Spider-Man that like literally is like, well, I'm trying to have a cool costume. And like, I think I did a good job. And yeah. it's like you're you look like a homeless person, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if that Spider-Man showed up and stopped that punch. When Fuck, yes, know, in Infinity War, like people would have just like shit their pants in the theater, and like yes, you know, you'd be able to like feel just how far removed this dude is—the economic disparity he's, like, on their that tier, you know. Yeah, like that's the shit. That's what makes him special. Yeah, he's a fucking bum. He's not a bum, but he's a uh... kind of. Yeah, he's, he's a dude. Yeah, that's why even like, you know, like, I mean, I think the Sam Raimi movies do a really good job of making, you know, his life suck. Um, (laughs) But that's one of the things that's kind of the missed opportunity there, too, is that it's like, what a perfect fucking costume, you know, and it's like, I just want to see Spider-Man like I felt like the homemade suit that they have in the early parts of the MCU Spider-Man and like, you know, it, it shows up at the end of homecoming shows up in that like vision like mysterio illusion sequence in yeah. far from home like i just want that to be the actual suit like just keep him in that fucking thing you know what i mean put webbing on it so it looks a little bit more like spider-man but like i want him to look like a kid you know i want him to look like oh well you know great power great responsibility low budget you know like that's yeah. you know I'm doing this on five dollars a week for Man May. Yeah, you know, this is like, <laughs> this is my allowance. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know, but I mean, I guess I'm excited. I, I think I'm excited. I'm excited to see all the old villains. It was cool seeing more of the Green Goblin, and it was cool hearing Willem Dafoe's voice. He sounds extra creepy in this movie. You're struggling yeah. to have everything you want. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm the the fan in me is excited, but the adult in me and and the creative in me is just like, all right, you people need to stop fucking spending so much money on just the same shit that you've been making for the last 30 years. Hey, you can't say that. Like, this movie has a cool (laughs) fight on top of the Statue of Liberty. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> it's got a cool fight on a bridge oh oh 
Yeah, but it has yeah. Spider-Man dodging a subway. Oh. <laughs> it's a there's a huge disaster in the middle of a city. Oh. But hey, at least we get to see some new villains like say, oh. 